What does it mean to connect to your future at Lake Michigan College? They connect you to your future opportunities. They partner with local industries and employers, ensuring their programs align to the needs of the community's workforce. Lake Michigan College can help you get to the future you want. Visit lakemichigancollege.edu. WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock news block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The city of Benton Harbor will dedicate and officially rename Broadway Park this weekend. They're renaming it the June Woods Memorial Park to honor June Woods, who escaped slavery during the Civil War and became a small business owner in Benton Harbor. He was responsible for planting trees in Benton Harbor and throughout southwest Michigan. Woods is now buried at Crystal Springs Cemetery with no tombstone, and Neighbors Organizing Against Racism is working with an anonymous donor to place a tombstone there. On hand for the dedication this Sunday will be representatives of Neighbors Organizing Against Racism, Whirlpool Corporation, and the city of Benton Harbor. The event is part of a community fun day taking place at the park with a basketball tournament, food and refreshments, as well as face painting for the kids and a dunk tank. It starts at 3 p.m. and everyone's invited. St. Joseph City Commissioners have approved the landscaping plan for the Unified Civic Monuments Project. At a meeting last night, they heard from Garth Woodruff of Rootbound, a landscaping design firm. He says the plan is to change the configuration of trees near the monument's location in the Arboretum. So we're talking about taking two trees out, but we're replacing it with four. We kind of tossed around how those four fit into the fabric of the rest of the Arboretum. Woodruff says the new configuration will give passers-by a better view of the monument. The Unified Civic Monuments Project is in the final stretch of its fundraising effort to place monuments to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in both St. Joseph and Benton Harbor. Woodruff said the St. Joseph Monument will also have an ADA ramp so anyone can reach it. The city of St. Joseph will be reconstructing one of its parking lots, but not with all the features that were originally planned. At last night's meeting, Public Works Director Greg Grothaus told commissioners the budget for redoing parking lot 12, which is behind the fire station, was $530,000. However, the bid came in at $701,000. So he took out features like electric vehicle charging stations, light poles, permeable brick pavers, and street parking bump-outs. That brought the cost down to $597,000. Commissioners then debated their options. Mayor Laura Goose suggested if they could add some features back in. I wonder if we, is there a third choice here where we say we do want the on-street parking bump-outs? The on-street parking bump-outs would allow for several on-street spaces. It was also suggested that the lighting be kept in. However, commissioners in the end opted to proceed with the scaled-back project with an understanding many of the scuttled features could be added later. Grothaus said holderback excavating of Stevensville could get started on the project this month. The Berrien County Health Department will host two Narcan training sessions this month. Prevention Supervisor Lisa Peoples-Hurst tells us Narcan is a nasal spray that can save a life of someone having an overdose. There will be sessions in Benton Harbor and a session in Niles, both at the health department offices and to be drive-through style. A person doesn't even have to leave their car and they will be educated on what's the risk, what increases the risk for a fatal overdose, how to prevent an overdose, how to recognize one. Then they'll learn how to administer Narcan to save the person having an overdose. Peopleshurst says those who attend will also receive Narcan kits, and she estimates the health department has given out around 200 of them so far. You'd be surprised the number of people when we did this last year who had personal stories about someone, a family member, or a friend that they lost to overdose. 
PeopleSearch says Narcan cannot harm someone who is not having an overdose. It works directly with the receptors that interact with the opioid. The session in Benton Harbor will be August 30th from 9 a.m. to noon and 1 to 4 p.m. The Niles session will be August 31st during the same times. Pre-registration is encouraged, and you can do so by scanning a QR code that we'll have at our website, or you can call the Berrien County Health Department. Brandywine High School and Middle School is the recipient of $5,000 in books from We Need Diverse Books, a nonprofit dedicated to spreading diverse literature. The group's Caroline Richmond tells us it received around 100 applications from schools across the country for books, and Brandywine is one of five selected. That's as the district has faced some controversy due to school board members seeking to have some books removed from the libraries due to what they deem inappropriate content. Having all these books banned is just pulling these inclusive titles from the shelves that help kids like my own feel represented. So how will the donation of $5,000 in books work? We put together spreadsheets of diverse books that the school librarian can pick from. So we have selected hundreds of books from picture books through young adults, and they can go through kind of like a menu and let us know how many copies of each book they would like to receive. Richmond says the goal of the donation is to help broaden the horizons of students with educator-selected diverse titles. She notes a Brandywine teacher and a parent applied for the donation, expressing concern about what's going on in the school district. Brandywine High School history teacher Abilene Janke says it's crucial that students have the opportunity to be exposed to a diverse array of experiences and views. The city of Dwajak is planning to dedicate its police station to former Chief George Grady this month. Grady was appointed acting chief by the city of Dwajak in August of 1964, making him Michigan's first black police chief and only the second black police chief in the United States. The city of Dwajak will honor his legacy by dedicating the Chief George L. Grady police station with a ceremony August 24th at 11 a.m. Grady was born and raised in Dwajak before he joined the Navy during the Korean War. He served as a deep-sea diver during his time in Korea, one of the first African-Americans to perform that duty. When he returned to Dwajak after the war, he joined the police department. One year after being named acting chief, he became the chief and served for 10 years. He stepped down in 1974 due to health issues and died in 1977. The dedication ceremony will feature remarks from former Grand Rapids Chief of Police Eric Payne, a Dwajak native. And the Michigan Maritime Museum is bringing back its Rock the Boat concert for the second straight summer. Director of Education Ashley Deming tells us they're making it bigger and better than last year. We're going to have a uh, you know, bigger stage. There's you know more lights and action. We're going to have a uh, Woodstock and Grill food truck there again. We'll have Colonel Popper's kettle corn. Uh, we still have our, our VIP tables well sold out. Um, those sold out within, I think, the first week or so of us having tickets. So pretty popular there, but we still have some high tops and, of course, our concert lawn seats. It'll be held Friday, August 25th from 6.30 to 9.30 at the Michigan Maritime Museum in South Haven. Deming says the show is good for all ages, and she says they have a total of about 500 tickets available, although some of those have already been sold with all the VIP table tickets already claimed. Membership to the museum is not required for the show. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. Former President Donald Trump and 18 others have been indicted on RICO charges in Georgia for attempting to undo the 2020 election results. Derek Dennis has more. 
A conspiracy and racketeering indictment handed up by a Georgia grand jury against former President Trump and 18 alleged co-conspirators. The prosecutor charged this in a way that seems pretty straightforward, charging that this alleged criminal enterprise involving Trump, Giuliani, a number of other lawyers, 19 people in all, knew that former President Trump had lost but refused to accept the result. ABC's Aaron Katursky, the defendants, including Trump, have until next Friday, August 25th, to turn themselves in. The charges stem from an investigation by Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis, alleging Trump and his allies made numerous calls to Georgia election officials in a pressure campaign. The RICO statute, at least, has a mandatory minimum of five years. Some of uh, the other charges have, or RICO has a maximum of 20 years. Other charges range from one to 10 years as I recall. Uh, so it really, uh, these are serious charges. Former DeKalb County DA Gwen Keyes Fleming, the Trump campaign slamming the indictment is bogus. I'm Derek Dennis, ABC News. The new indictment against alleging a conspiracy by former President Trump and his allies to overturn the results of the 2020 election in Georgia includes charges against several people accused of illegally accessing voting equipment in one rural county. The security breach inside the election office in Coffee County, about 200 miles southeast of Atlanta, is among the first known attempts by Trump allies to access voting systems as they sought evidence to back up claims that the voting equipment had been rigged to favor Joe Biden. It was followed a short time later by breaches in three Michigan counties involving some of the same people, and again at a western Colorado county that Trump won handily. Meanwhile, following the Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's indictment charging former President Trump and 18 others with a racketeering or RICO law, Trump's 2024 rivals are starting to react. Here's ABC's Brittany Shepard. Tech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy called the multiple prosecutors pursuing charges overzealous. In fact, he's even volunteering to write a legal brief in Donald Trump's defense. Meanwhile, Tim Scott, a senator from South Carolina, says the indictment is proof of, quote, the legal system being weaponized. Both Scott and Ramaswamy will be on stage at the first GOP debate on August 23rd. It's unclear, though, if Trump will be by their side. Brittany Shepard, ABC News, Washington. Speaking of which, Donald Trump says he won't sign the pledge required to participate, but his rivals are actively preparing as if he will be on stage for the GOP's first 2024 presidential debate next week. Former Vice President Mike Pence is hosting mock debate sessions with someone playing the part of the former president. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has participated in weekly sessions with an eye toward drawing clear contrast with Trump. And Nikki Haley, the former ambassador to the U.N., is planning to show that she can stand up to bullies. And all eight Republican candidates, including Trump, have met the fundraising and polling thresholds required to qualify for the debate. At least 99 people are now confirmed dead on Maui from last week's fire. Police are asking families for help identifying human remains being found. ABC's Alex Stone has more from Maui. In some areas of Lahaina, the fire burned so hot that it's taking cadaver dogs to let searchers know there had been a body in that building. And that's why there's a request here for families of the missing to give DNA of their loved ones to help identify the human remains that are being found. Of the bodies that have been identified, families are today beginning to be officially notified of their death by Maui police. Video showing downed power lines apparently sparking some of the early blazes in the Maui wildfires have become key evidence in the search for a cause. Hawaiian Electric Company faces criticism for not shutting off the power amid high wind warnings. A class action lawsuit's already been filed seeking to hold the company responsible for the deaths of at least 99 people. The lawsuit cites the utility's own documents from last year showing it was aware that preemptive power shutoffs, such as those used in California, were an effective strategy to prevent wildfires but never adopted them. 
Before giving remarks on the economy at the battleground state of Wisconsin today, President Biden addressed the devastating wildfires in Hawaii. ABC's Jay O'Brien has more. Let me say, address the devastating wildfires, some of which are still burning. The president repeating that every federal asset will be made available to the people of Hawaii and repeating a phrase he often says in the wake of disasters that the federal government will remain to help in the recovery for as long as it takes. I've spoken to Governor Josh Green multiple times and reassured him the state will have everything it needs from the federal government. The president spoke with Governor Green of Hawaii and the administrator of FEMA again Tuesday on his way to Wisconsin. Jay O'Brien, ABC News, the White House. And broadcast TV and cable viewing just fell to an all-time low while streaming hit a record high. More from Jason Nathanson. Broadcast television and cable TV combined have never dropped below 50% of what people watch on their TVs until now. Nielsen says in July, cable viewing was down 12.5% from last year, broadcast TV down 5.4%. Combined, they made up 49.6% of TV viewing, while streaming soared to 38.7%, and other stuff like video games made up. And ironically, it was a cable TV show that helped lead streaming to the record number. I close situations. Suits, a former USA Network series, made its debut on Netflix and Peacock, and viewers consumed almost 18 billion viewing minutes. Jason Nathanson, ABC News. Hollywood. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.